Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. Today is Friday, August the 27th, and today I'm going to air part two of my interview with Dmitry and Latislav in the studio with me. And we're talking a lot about what it was like for them to grow up in communist Russia, a little bit about communism, and really a lot about what we can do as Christians to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's a whole bunch of stuff coming up on my calendar, and uh, we appreciate your prayers and support as we move forward. Your financial support of this podcast is what keeps us moving and going on the air. You can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday and fill out that form, and we will answer your questions on Monday. Without any more interruptions, here's part two of my interview with Dmitry and Yatislav. And you're saying, you know, both of you, and we've talked about this before, but the education is ground zero for this stuff. And I've had people ask me, you know, talk about something else. Why are you talking about, you know, in your congressional one? Why are you focusing so much on uh, education? And I'm like, the, the, we should be so laser focused on our education system right now to understand we are cranking out these kids by the hundreds of thousands every single year in this country. And they wouldn't think twice about throwing you in jail to meet you for your crazy conservative view, viewpoint. They, they think you're you're dangerous. And they, they have been indoctrinated. They really do believe that. And this is where we have opportunity to sound the alarm, to sell, to do what your uh, courageous wife did and pull your children out of these schools because that we are losing. And I think really the Slava community was hard to come around to this because I've spoken I mean, long before you and I were friends, Dimitri, I was going to the Slavic community in, in Sacramento and going to the uh, to Word of Truth in, in Battleground. And people were like, oh, I don't know. You know, English isn't our first language. This is a huge problem, right? English isn't our first language. And I was saying, your kids are going to be, they're going to be, they're going to turn your kids against you. And you can only say it so many times. Yeah. But I don't think that, I don't see the resistance as much now. And your community is special in that, they do know communism. They do understand socialism. This generation, these Americans, these lazy, you know, uneducated Americans, really, I can say that. You can't say that about me, but I can say it about me, right? So the, the lazy, uneducated Americans, they don't know. They really don't. And you can say, well, it's, it, you know, it's, on, it's on you, but they're a product, most of these young adults, of the public school system. Yeah, and that- yeah the thing is, I... I, I you're so hard on the American people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because so I am is, one. See, like, I can talk really yeah. bad about my sisters, but you can't. Yeah. So right? That's how we is, are. Like, we feel guilty as a Slavic community, and I can maybe say this personally for myself, I don't know about Dmitry, but <laughs> that we've been here for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And for example, we started voting, I started voting about two years ago when the organization started. Mm-hmm. So what was I doing for the 30 years? And I think what happened was the Slavic community came here to America and they just took a deep breath and took a nap. That's very, what I would do. Very, very long nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A 30 year mm-hmm. nap pretty much. Like and, a Rip Van Winkle kind of a nap. And, and the reason for that is, is because there were Americans that we knew were like, wow, you know, they were, they've been doing this for 200 years. They would know if something came up and it was wrong or it was going towards a specific ideology they would catch that. Um, but I think I, I can't really blame the American people that much because it, it's it's almost like this. Uh, I went to Mexico once 
not like on the resort vacation, but it was more like a like Tijuana. Uh, yeah. Uh like Rosarita and then mm-hmm. yeah, Tijuana we went there and some other small town. More like on mission work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me I was didn't really do a lot of talking. It was just more like scoping things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but what I realized is like like these people have a beautiful country. Yes, they do. I mean like it's a resort. It's warm. The climate is just perfect. There's land. There's everything. Why are they not thriving? Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, uh, I mean, with the technology that we have today, you have YouTube, you have internet, TV. But I think until a person goes to a different country and sees how it is at that different country, he really has nothing to compare to. Mm-hmm. And I think this is maybe what happened to the American community. Um, I know immigration is a huge driver for people to be like, hey, you know, what's happening? Uh, We just came out of our communist country. You know, we swam over here from Cuba. You know, they're kind of still in shell shock. Um, But it was good. In 89, it was it was like heaven Mm -hmm. Uh, compared to what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is it's a perspective thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love for these college kids, the ones that we're talking about, that have been kind of brainwashed Yeah, go to Venezuela. Yeah, go to Cuba. I mean, it doesn't even have to... Take them to China and Mm -hmm, have them say something wrong about the government. They're Mm going to be out of there. You know what's so interesting, though? Um, These kids are so brainwashed. There was a, a gentleman I just spoke in on Alaska... Washington the other day, um, trying to help parents take their kids out of the schools. And I went to a school board meeting and I was speaking up very strongly against critical race theory, which is just teaching our children to be racist. Right. So we're teaching we're teaching this terrible ideology. Well, at the end, uh, one of the young people from the back of the room came up. He's a uh, I think he was a Washington State University graduate, maybe. And he said, you know, I spent two years in communist China and I was thinking, good, he's going to, he's going to, you know, tell everybody. But then he said, you know what I learned? He looked right at me. He said, the, the communist uh, dictatorship, the, the president of China, you know, Xi Jinping, these are wicked people in many, many respects. The, the, um, the oligarchs that are there, the, the people, the elites get all the money and the people are suffering. And he, acknowledge that you know i lived in china and i saw he said the worst part about it was that the chinese government tells you what you can and cannot listen to what you can and cannot um say what will and will not be taught and he said you want to bring that here because i because i didn't want critical race theory taught in the school and i i wanted to i there wasn't a debate so you they you know you couldn't stand up and say anything but i wanted to stand on my feet and say you foolish foolish child that you cannot see the difference between teaching things that are harmful i mean you want to teach someone about critical race theory fine but we're not doing that we're teaching them that critical race theory is correct there's a difference and so we're not saying censorship if we were saying censorship then we would say oh, no we don't want to talk about communism but we're not doing that we're saying teach it from a from the from the right perspective and that's not what we're doing. But this this liberal university student's takeaway from China was that it would be wrong for me, someone like me, to come into a school and say, no, you can't teach critical race theory because that's communist. It's really messed up. It's really, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I mean, you're right. I am hard on the Americans, you know, because I grew up here and I'm just like, you know, I've been <laughs> William Wallacing all over the country for many, many years. <laughs> so I'm starting to be like, we've been, this is like the worst 
um, you normally when you say, I told you that was going to happen, you can kind of gloat a little bit. There's no satisfaction in this. This is sorrowful what's happening to our country and we're watching it happen right in front of us. And I guess my my um, my anger, if you will, at the education system and my frustration with the young people, you're completely right. They They don't know different. They've literally been taught that this country is a terrible place, that we're an oppressive country, that we're not the beacon of hope that we have been historically around the world. But people still die to get here. It's like true. we're seeing right now from Afghanistan. Yes. I mean, it's- well, and this is a shameful moment for the United States. It's an embarrassing moment as we're leaving our allies. People have risked their lives to help us and we're leaving them there. What in the world is going on? And and we're watching uh, so many of these young people and kids who have grown up in the public school system, this is why I keep telling parents, take your children out of these schools. Do not leave them in there for one more second because you because this indoctrination that you were referring to is in everything. It literally is in every subject. It's not like they, it's not like they, it's, they don't pick the indoctrination book off the shelf and say, kids, for the next hour, I'm going to indoctrinate you. No, it's literally woven into math and science and history and language and reading and art. It's in all of it. And so there's it's it's a poisoned well. So you can no longer drink water from a poisoned well. And it's fascinating to me to talk to you. And I, I wish that your message and what your uh, families came from and what you saw and what you witnessed firsthand. And thank God for your uh, parents passing down the stories to you. Uh, so that you will remember them because you don't get it in school. I mean, you said that yourself, right? You you didn't get that in school. Exactly. Yeah. So where do we go from here, guys? Because I guess my question is like, I mean, we can sit here and get all depressed, you know, you know, well, not you, you're not depressed, but I am. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, Well, for me, like I'm, I'm just watching the Slavic community and for the longest time they've been constantly saying, you know, church and politics don't, work together you leave that at the door that's not just the slavic community that's america true true but i think the slavic community maybe even even the worst because Mm -hmm. they you know it has nothing to do with the church like you don't bring it you forget about it christians don't even belong in politics and you know for the longest time that was happening and i think a lot of it has to do because we've seen you know the worst of it we've seen the worst of the political kind of uh world right but um what i what i see you know when i look at the bible you know when i look at the bible every single main character in the bible they were heavily involved in politics they were either elected officials they were either leaders and kings and and queens they were they were essentially you know almost every character were had a very mm-hmm. uh prominent role and yes. and they had they were very influential they were leaders they were leaders and that's why you know we need to become that you yes. know i think we cannot separate those two you know and the, and the more i study the bible the more passionate i get about it uh, and I just hope the Slavic community, they start realizing that. And, you know, we, we start actually getting more and more involved, mm-hmm. you know, not only voting. And that's important. That's a, a great stepping stone because mm-hmm. the Slavic community still doesn't vote as much as we want them to. Mm-hmm. But just going to a school board, that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Uh, just running for a very small position, you know, even just getting involved, you know, with organizations like ours. It's it's a place, and that's for a lot of reasons why we have this organization is to have a place where the Slavic community can get involved. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they don't want to go to the school board because it's very confusing. They can come to us, and we'll you know we've been we've been doing this for such a long time. We have an idea where is a great place, and we can navigate them. They can just get involved with us. But getting involved is really really important. We mm-hmm. can no longer just give up, and just because it just the fact that people are saying you know voting doesn't matter anymore. That's already a, a very, uh, you know, losing 
position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you think voting is not important, you already lost. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you guys have, um, you know, you're, you're showing, uh, I think a lot of people that it, there are uncomfortable moments like your, your wife pulling your kids out of school is a scary thing to do. Going to a school board meeting when you've never done it before is intimidating. Right. And so I think we're gonna have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Yeah. We have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I told my husband the other day, I would really like, you know, let's run for Congress. You guys want, I mean, I'm telling you what, I do things that scare me every day now, right? Whether it's national interviews or uh, whatever it is, speaking in front of new audiences all the time, whatever that is. But I think the country is worth fighting for. And that's where we are. We're going to have to kind of launch into warrior mode in this warrior mentality. We fight first for our children, but ultimately we're fighting for for our freedom. And I, in some respects, I, I have sensed for some time we're sort of gasping for air. And when you see, uh, Kate Brown feels so comfortable in her totalitarian totalitarianism in the way that she's, you know, basically trying to, uh, take the freedoms of, of ordinary Oregonians away from them, that should be a wake up call. And I think, uh, Dimitri, maybe it was you earlier that said, you know, I, we think this is going to wake people up. Right. Because yeah. it could have been we could have gone back to business as usual and people would have forgotten that there were uh, wicked people who want to rule the people of this country with an iron fist. We maybe would have forgotten. I don't think we're going to forget Kate Brown anytime soon. I don't no. think we're going to forget uh, Governor Inslee. Well, I, think they're relying, I think they're relying of erasing the history there. I think they're mm-hmm. relying if they can get more and more of this, they can just erase all the bad things that they've done and they can just continue mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm hmm. And you guys still think, you know, you, your families came here and you're watching, uh, watching what's happening. How are, how are they taking this in now? The thing is, America is like the last stand. Though. It is. It um, is. I There's mean, no place to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it, I know Dimitri took it, went all Bible out on this here. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's good. But there's a quote that uh, Richard Burke um, from the Western Liberty Network said, which I'm not sure how appropriate it is, but I'm just going to say it. Shout out to Richard Burke. <laughs> Yeah, he, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> he was in the uh, studio and he said, um, either you do politics or politics will do you. Yeah. And the reason that quote kind of stuck to me is I'm like trying to explain this to pastors and even parents like mm-hmm. who still to this day are like, just drop politics. Yeah. politics. Go do something in the church. Go do something in the community. That's how things are going to change. Well, I look at it from a slightly different perspective. Um, for example, for the people that are listening to this and they're believers, uh, the Bible talks about two mainly two main sins, right? There's the sin of commission and then there's mm-hmm. sin omission. of omission. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, let's focus on the ones, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, don't drink and stuff. And mm-hmm. people know those, but it's the one where you see something being done and you know that it's evil or it's infringing mm-hmm. on somebody else's rights, mm-hmm. not your rights maybe at this point, mm-hmm. but on somebody else's and you don't do anything, that's on me. Mm-hmm. That's not on the person that's it's happening to. It's not on the person that's even doing it at this point. Mm-hmm. It's on me because I didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the perspective I think that a lot of Slavic people who are faith-based, um, they have to understand that mm-hmm. as Christians. Because sooner or later, what woke us up was really actually the weirdest thing ever. It was the whole um, school, was it the school? The protest that happened in Olympia was mainly because of something yeah. that happened to school. It affected mm-hmm. our kids. Mm-hmm. We would have never thought 30 years ago 
that that's what would actually get the Russian community active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they and care about did. their kids. Yeah. Yeah. They care about their kids. We had a meeting here, uh, I want to say it was two and a half years ago, maybe. Uh, and I showed a video called The War on Children. And there was a huge number of Slavic families here at the Resource Center. And we showed them The War on Children. And I said, this is, this. you're not going to like this. And they're going to use, they're going to say words and use language that's going to be offensive. And you're going to squirm in your seat. And there were some really old, you know, Russian grandmothers with the scarves on and everything. I was like, oh dear, this is going to be, I looked, I looked at my husband. He was like, I don't know if we should play this because it, it, it is awful, but it is what's happening. And we have to be, we have to be willing to look the awful thing in the face and not shy away from it, not run away. And I did see a lot of those grandmothers, they were turning in their seats. Some of them were crying, but they needed to see it. They needed to see this is what's happening. And it's not just the United States. It's Australia. It's Africa. It's everywhere. Yeah. Because this is the spirit of the age that we're, that we're talking about. And it's an assault against the whole world. And so what do God's people do? They need to get involved. They need to become leaders. Well, it's interesting. You speak of grandparents or grandmas. This last election, I think what really inspired me, I've seen probably some of the more, some of the, some interesting pictures like some grandmas are coming out and, and like first of all being big trump supporters like that yeah. was that was just surprising to me but they were uh probably more educated about politics and trump and just the entire thing than some of our younger people mm-hmm. because they live through it and they can see it and i know my my uh, my grandma she was super passionate about uh what was going on and she's probably again knows more politics uh, and what's going on than some of the younger people mm-hmm. that's crazy it is, yeah, and they know how important it is to protect yeah. it. Yeah, and, and they that know it can video be that you were talking about—I I don't know if it's the same one. Uh, we went to the old believers community in Woodburn, mm-hmm. and they showed the same thing. And there were people there, a lot mm-hmm. than yeah. It's uncomfortable. It, it was an eye opener because yes. they're they're saying this is happening in the school. This is how ha- this is what you're kids are seeing if you feel uncomfortable watching this how do they feel how do they feel Mm -hmm. and And they just shocked them like bombshell (laughs) well and honestly that is what needs to happen and i and i think that the saddest part here's what really breaks my heart and i said this to the families that were here that night what breaks my heart is our kids are not shocked by this because they've been indoctrinated they're not shocked by it they're not shocked by pictures that that the pictures that we showed or the terminology that we use we are because our hearts are still tender toward god's gift of human sexuality it's a precious gift these kids their hearts are seared toward it and that's because from the time they're very little this terminology is in the schools and so by the time they start reading these books to the kids they already know that stuff they're like what do you, you know mom and dad what do you care well the mom and dad and the grandparents see it and they they and their response is oh my god what have we done we've left Left our kids in this in this system, and by the time we take them out, they have a completely upside down view from the one that we wanted them to have mm-hmm. of how precious this gift is and why we want to protect it. And so, when uh, and and for me, you know, even taking you know several years ago, when we started taking busloads of people up to uh, up to Olympia and testifying. And I remember standing on the floor of the state house in Olympia and testifying and Chris Reichdahl sitting behind me. And this guy is just really a puppet of Governor Inslee, does whatever Inslee wants him to do. And I was literally begging the, the, the board, listen to me. This is so important. Well, I've gone from saying it's a crisis to saying it's an emergency now. Now it's an emergency. Our country's on fire. Our state is on fire. Our schools are on fire. I do not think that the schools can be uh, corrected. I think the whole system's going to have to come down and we're going to have to build it back again. Right. And that's going to take a long time. So in the meantime, 
we have an opportunity. And isn't it just like God to bring us solutions before we know we have problems? Yeah. And there are so many good solutions right here in Vancouver and all around the country for homeschooling. There's so many, you know, 25 years ago, you know, when, when we pulled our daughter out, I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this thing, but I didn't feel like the school is necessarily on fire. I just thought there's got to be a better way. I really considered myself part of the the tail end of the homeschool pioneers. These people are not pioneers, they're refugees. They're not running to something, they're running from something. And so we need to, to and when you see someone running from something, you what do you do? You give them help. You say, can I help you? I see that you're running the house, the running from the burning house or running from whatever it is. And what do we do? We come alongside with food and water and shelter. And that is the job of the church right now to come alongside these, these people who are running from a system that is stealing their children from them and say, how can we help you? And I, I feel like if, if the church can get that, if we can get it, you know, dug down deep and the church will start talking about that and coming up with solutions and partnering with people like my husband and myself who have started this place, there are solutions there really are it just will it will take courage and the good news there is pastors are waking up but at least i know a few pastors who have been very outspoken to the point where they say you know if you don't vote if you're going to throw away this ballot you're essentially committing a sin Mm -hmm. so i i I love seeing that i know it's kind of a might Mm -hmm. sound a little radical Mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of to point to to yadik's point and you know we're having a pastor come on this this thursday on our radio program where we're going to talk about those things. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about church and politics, and I hope people are going to listen to that and, and hear the how important you know for us to get away from the idea that church and politics doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It does work, and if we want to get be influential, we have to get involved. Mm, it's so true. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Good. Well, how can people find you guys at Slavic Vote? So we have multiple ways. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I think the the best way is Instagram. I think that's kind of kind of our sweet spot where we have a lot of Are you guys millennials listen to that the best way is instagram oh okay i well, had to get instagram because of slavic vote <laughs> that's how <laughs> well and, and i haven't used it for you're that talking long. to a woman in her 50s but carry on i haven't used it for that long but i, I know that it's very you know the youth use it and we yeah they do, do absolutely get, i'm just giving you a hard yeah. time don't listen to me i'm just I'm but just instagram kidding. is probably you know the best way because there's a lot of pictures you know mm-hmm. we love pictures there's a lot of videos there's just a lot of content you, you can essentially see what we do um, and then our website, and that's another place where the, you can find a lot of our just our resources because during the election, um, and for those people who might not know who we are, what we do is also we put out election material and something that we do, you know, we try to study these candidates. And recently we've been actually uh, partnering with the SV Action, which, which mm-hmm. Lily now leads. Mm-hmm. We've been able to almost endorse candidates, which is very uh, makes things a lot easier. So yeah. that's been very helpful this last election. So web, web website, slavicvote.org, you know, Instagram, slavicvote, Facebook, slavicvote, PNW. People, if, they, if there were a pastor to invite you to come to their church, are you available to do those kinds oh, of things? Oh yeah. We've, we, we've been probably visited over 50, 60 churches just in the last two years and in the Slavic churches, sometimes twice. And, um, we've, we've brought this message mm-hmm. and my, my message now is in, first of all, the the local election is probably where we really have to really focus on. I know everybody's been focusing on the Trump and that's what his I've election. been saying. Yeah, this this twenty this twenty twenty one election is crucial. Yep, exactly. So the local election is going to be super important. Maybe the you know the general election, maybe the you know national elections are rigged, mm-hmm. uh, but we have to really really focus on the local elections mm-hmm. because one thing that I like to say, you know, and, and maybe you can correct me. I think I've heard, um, so the, half our country is Christian, right? Mm-hmm. For, for the most part. Half of that number 
is only registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And half of that number well, is only vote. voting. Mm-hmm. So imagine if if at least half of the Christians were actually voting. This this would not be happening. No, it wouldn't be happening. And uh and I think now, I mean, we're right now we're learning a very painful lesson. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of a lot of uh Christians who thought for whatever reason they didn't like, you know, President Trump's style and so they just thought, you know what, forget it. We're going to go with this guy. And uh, we're learning a very hard lesson. We're seven months now into a four-year term. Yeah. He's done more damage to our country in seven months than I think any president before him in the history of the world. Absolutely. And this is on us. This is on the voters in the United States. I mean, clearly there was voter fraud, and we're going to have to root it out and fix it and fix the election system in this nation and and here in uh, in the Northwest. But the bottom line is he, they, I, they, they would have had a much harder time getting away with it. If the church hadn't just turned their nose and said, no, this is, you know, we're too good for this and washed their hands of it. And uh, we need to never let this happen again. It can never happen again. Absolutely. And I know we're about to end here, but one thing that I kind of want to say, like you said, we're here for this reason. I think I really do believe God has brought us to this country for this reason. Mm -hmm. And our voice, our voice, you know, the Slavic community voice is very, very powerful because the unfortunately the white people in this country the americans they don't have much of a voice anymore mm-hmm. the slavic community as an immigrant as a refugee we still have some kind of voice we have that card right yeah. and if we can use that i think it'll 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 first of all we can speak against these things that we that we talked about today and hopefully we can turn start turning things around mm-hmm. so using that voice is is important and if we don't use it it's it's going to be unfortunate. Well, and silence is consent. Yep. At this point, when the all they need to continue and to finish the job they've started is for us to be quiet. Absolutely. And I appreciate you guys and your Absolutely. willingness to to come on and to be a voice. Dimitri uh, Yatislav, thank you for coming. Now, I I didn't even try your last name because I can barely do the first name, but just for fun, Dimitri, what's your what's your last name? So uh, say it slow for the for the ladies in the back. The English version is uh, Sashenko. Yeah. Sashchenko, and then yeah. the Russian is Sashchenko. That's beautiful. What's your last Mine name? Mine is simple. It's Borisov. Borisov? Or Borisov. the only thing that rhymes with my first name, Yaroslav Borisov. <laughs> well, he didn't say the Russian one. It would be Borisov would be Russian version. I love it. Well, and I, I know you say you have a lot of Slavic followers. So, and I think, I hope, I hope we can speak to them right now yeah. and say, you know, um, if you live, you know, there's a lot of places like Ohio and New York and Florida. And a lot of times they're, they're, they're they haven't seen what we've seen here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So get active. Reach out to us. We'll be happy to uh, give you resources, give you connection, and guide you through this process. And you can at least get ahead of this before it comes to you. Mm-hmm. And we're we're here to essentially help everybody, uh, you know, Slavic community, everybody else to to get get out and vote. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the most important thing. And your election is going to be super important. We're excited about that. We're you know I think that's going to be you know, a big churn. And I think mm-hmm. your voice in Congress. Is going to be a wrecking ball. That's what I'm looking forward to. Thank you. I'm by the looking way. forward to you too. Put me in a room with Nancy Pelosi. That woman's going down. Yes, I'm. I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day when mm-hmm. I when you go head to head against Nancy. Me too. It's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah. By the way, thank you for coming to our radio last week. You're welcome. It was a great program. Uh, by the way, if you are listening and you want to hear that radio, you can also find that on our Instagram and our YouTube page, which is just Slavic Vote. It's wonderful. You guys, thank you so much for coming. It's really been a joy and an honor to have you here. I thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. You guys want more information on Slavic Vote? I will link back to all things Slavic Vote in the show notes today. We appreciate you guys listening. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.